0: tonight. Guess what we're talking about? Yes. Conflict, the challenge. Okay, we're going to test your memory. Uh, It's so easy when I put it up there for you, isn't it? We're going to test your memory. So far, for three weeks, we've been talking about this idea of conflict. Can anybody tell me what we talked about three weeks ago? Adam Adam and Eve. What was the main idea that night? Say, hey, hey, whoa, hold on. Okay, wait. Let's let's clear that up. Taking notes is not cheating. It's encouraged. It's it's okay. It's always an open note test in here. I would much rather you take notes and read them back to me than guess, because I'm not giving you a grade on this. Hey, if you do if you do have your phone or your iPad or whatever iPod and you've got the U version app, you can look it up. And follow along on your phone and take notes right there. It's NFBC space youth. i got to make that distinction. I messed everybody up the first night. Yes, three weeks ago we talked about, the title of that night in conflict was just fight. And we talked about the idea of this conflict that we are in with sin every single day. That it's a constant battle that you and I have with sin. And we went all the way back to Genesis and talked about where that sin started. The fact that it came because Adam and Eve made a choice and their sin affected us, which now affects every single person in the world. So that's how we started with conflict. What about two weeks ago? What did we talk about? It, round, two. round two. Save that for a minute. Round two. What was that about? Give me, one, give me the main idea. Okay. What's that? I did say that. Yes. Sin shows us God's mercy, but it also requires God's justice. And that we can see sin, when we see sin, we see God's justice because God has to do something about that sin. That sin in Adam and Eve's time, that sin specifically where we talked about Noah's time and how his, the earth, every, I think it said, man's heart was filled with wickedness, everything was evil. And the idea is that God looked at that and God had to do something about that sin because God is holy and righteous and perfection. So anytime sin happens, it requires God's justice. But just like we saw with Noah and his family, God gave the earth round two. He destroyed everything but this one family and gave humanity a chance to start over and to do things better the next time. And God does the same thing with us. We see his mercy and his grace because he sent Jesus Christ. His, our sin required justice, and that's why Jesus came. But our sin also showed us God's mercy. That's why Jesus came. It's a twofold thing there. What about last week? Tag team. And? Is that all you got for me? What did we talk about last week? What? takes individual responsibility. Being part of a tag team takes individual responsibility, and it takes a group mentality. It means, what's that? No, but there isn't me. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. Yes. A tag team mentality. The idea that God has given us people around us that can help us as we're fighting sin. That when you and I have problems, when you and I are struggling with sin, we may feel alone, but we're not. We're surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ. We're surrounded by other believers that may have dealt with the same issue or that can at least come alongside of us and encourage us. So tonight we're going to keep going on this theme of the conflict, and tonight we're talking about the challenge. Anybody here ever face a challenge? Lauren? How many? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. How many of you like a challenge? A cha- Okay. Nick, give me an example of a challenge that you like. A challenge is football. Okay. Winning a game. That can be a challenge, especially when you're hurt. Absolutely. Lauren. What's that? Sticking to food cutoffs? That's a challenge. I don't do that. Waking up in the morning, up in the morning can be a very big challenge. Okay. Drew. Drew. What's that? Completing 50% of your passes. Doesn't that rely a lot on the receivers, too? So, so you got a tag team effort there. Ooh, see how I that? Went back? Mandy. Okay, wait. Whoa. How many of y'all struggle with that? Keeping your mouth shut when you really want to say something, but it's but you don't, it's probably in your best interest that you not? It's best interest that you Mmm. Catching over a five-pound bass, that is a challenge. All right. Here's what I want to do. I have a challenge for you all. It's a challenge for the guys as a group and a challenge for the girls as a group. Yes, you are. Here's what I need first. Guys, I need you to stand up. I need you to come to this part of the room in the middle, and I need you to form a circle. You can hold each other's hand. You can link arms. However, you need to do this. Guys, I need all the guys to be a part of this. You need to form a circle. If you don't know what a circle is, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, the one with no points. And it's not an amoeba. No. Nick, you can sit this one out if you'd like. Okay. Guys, your challenge, are you listening? Your challenge is to stay in this circle. Do not let this circle come apart in any way. Ladies, your challenge. Hold on. Your challenge. Now, hear me out. There is no kicking, no biting, no scratching, no poking. No. There's no slapping, no hurting. But your challenge, guys, hey, y'all need to listen so you know what to do. Ladies, your challenge is to get as many guys out of this circle as you can. Guys. Listen to me. Listen to me. Hey, if the ladies break, say they come over here and they're able to break this bond. Let go. Let go. If they break this bond, then guess what? You're both out. But ladies, ladies, hold on. But then you have to give Samuel and Jimmy a chance to link arms and form the circle. You have to. That's the rule. Okay? Are you all ready for this? You all have... Three minutes to do this. Hold on, hold on. I gotta, I gotta time you, ya. man. Y'all, you. Good night. Okay. Have a seat, guys. What's that? Yeah, I'm making sales right now. We're good. <laughs> All right. Okay. Here's what I need to know. Here's what I need to know. Which guys stayed in the fight? You left. I don't want to hear that. You you sat down. You were in there. You were in there. You were in there. Were you still in there, Justin? You quit. Man. I want to know which girl drew blood on Samuel. Samuel. Lauren said she did it. She's taking credit. All right. Now, hey, listen up, guys. Ladies... Ladies, did you find that to be a challenge? Okay. For some of you, it was easy because you have no problem tickling the guys and some of them are really ticklish. For some of you, it was very awkward because you didn't want to touch these big, nasty, smelly guys. That's okay. Guys, guys, how many of you found it to be a challenge? To work with Kevin. Are you saying Kevin was not a good person to link arms with? Okay. Alright. Hey guys. That what we just did right there, that was not even really a hard challenge. It was funny. We got pictures of it. We're good. You're right, I didn't do it. I did did that on purpose. But the truth is, every single one of us we face challenges every single day. Some of those challenges are hard. Some of those challenges are easy. Some of those require more effort to go after than others. There are some challenges that we will do everything we can to just avoid altogether. So that's what we're talking about tonight is this idea that that when we come to this conflict, when we talk about this battle with sin, there's a challenge that we face. And if you've never faced it, you will. I can promise you that. Now, some things, some challenges and and conflict when it comes to sin, like I said, they're they're not really hard. For instance, if you see a little kid, and this is not necessarily sin, this is just something that can be a challenge. You see a little kid who is walking up to an outlet, electrical outlet, and they're getting ready to stick their finger or their tongue in it. Would anybody have a problem stepping up and telling that child, "Sarah, don't do that." No I got okay, just okay. Would would anybody have a problem with that? Okay, okay it's possible she's going to do it again. I'm sure you would. Okay. Or Please don't do that. Or maybe it's a different kind of challenge where Where you see a car accident, and the police ask you what happened, do you have a problem telling them? Okay, You see, sometimes when something's about to happen, when somebody's about to do something or has done something that we know is going to be harmful or can cause problems for them, we don't have any problem stepping up and saying something about it. Because it's easy. It's what needs to be done. But you see, there's other times when we have friends or maybe family members, or or maybe people we don't even know. And as we're watching what they're doing, and we're watching how they live their lives, we start to see some sin problems there. And you see, that's where it really becomes a challenge. Because it's real easy for us to step up and say, hey, no little kid, don't stick your finger or your tongue in that outlet. Don't. Or key. But it becomes harder when your best friend is sleeping with their girlfriend, and you know it's not right, and you want to say something, but you don't want to lose your friend. Or you've got a buddy who's going out drinking every weekend, and you know that that is hurting them, and you know the lifestyle they're chasing and what problems it's causing them, but you don't want to tell anybody and get your friend in trouble. You see, that's when it becomes a challenge. When we know somebody's living a life of sin that is dragging them down and that is hurting them, and yet we don't necessarily want to say something because we don't want to cause problems. That's what we're talking about tonight. Because at some point in your life, if you've not experienced it already, you're going to be caught in a situation like that. Maybe it's not somebody sleeping around with somebody else. Maybe it's not drinking. Maybe it's, maybe it's something as simple as in finals next week, one of your friends is cheating on their test. And you know that's not right. Right? You know that's not right. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Those of you who didn't answer that one, we'll talk afterwards. And you know your friend's doing this, and you know it's wrong, but you don't want to get your friend in trouble. What do you do? What do you do in that situation? This is not a rhetorical question. What do you do? Rhetorical question, that means I actually want an answer. What do you do? What is West Point's honor code? Okay. Meaning what? means you turn them in. Okay. Oh, that wasn't nice. But you see, guys, I've asked asked this question three times now, and the only response I've gotten is West Point's honor code. What do you do? You 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 consult them in private. Okay. Listen up, guys. The second step is to take somebody with you. third step is to take them to the Okay. anybody know where he's pulling that from? Anybody know what book? Matthew. There you go. That's right. He's, he's, he's saying exactly right. When you see someone, when someone is committing sin, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to confront them. If that doesn't work and it says you're supposed to take witnesses with you, you're supposed to take them before the church or take them, take them before, I'm sorry, I'm getting it mixed up in my head. You confront them, you confront them with other people, you take them before the authority. That's true. It's easy to say, but is it easy to do? Exactly. Heck no. That's where it becomes a challenge. And you see, the reason that's important, guys, and the reason we're talking about that tonight is because that is a simple thing. That is a... Cheating on a test, that, that in comparison to some of the things that can happen, we see that as a very small thing. And well, they're not really hurting anybody. But sin is sin is sin, right? It's all the same. Little things over time will lead to big things, and will lead to larger problems. If you've got somebody who's willing to cheat on a test repeatedly now, who's to say they're not going to cheat on their taxes in a couple years? And as they do that repeatedly, who's to say that they're not going to get found out and spend the rest of their life in prison? Yes? How do you cheat on You don't report all of your income, which means you don't get taxed on all of your income, so you're basically not paying the government what the government says they are due. You're withholding money from them. What's that? That's what the IRS is for. They audit people. They check your bank accounts. They check your employment records. They check everything. What's that? If you don't have any record, then you might want to get a good lawyer because they'll have them. I'm just saying we can talk about that later. So, guys, at some point you're going to face a challenge, a situation where you've got something big going on. And you know something needs to be said or something needs to be done, but it becomes difficult. And you see, as we face those challenges, as we come into those situations, we're going to look at tonight 2 Samuel chapter 12. And as we read this account and go through what's happening here between Nathan, this prophet of God, and King David, there's a couple things that we see here, a couple questions that I would say are questions we need to ask ourselves. When we're faced with a challenge, when we're faced with confronting someone and this possibility of conflict, what do we do? How do we address the situation? Every single one of us, we want a peaceful existence. We want to get along with people. We want to have fun. I'm willing to bet most of us don't like conflict. I hope not. If you do, you're sadistic, and that's the reason Jerry Springer's show exists for people like that, that like conflict because that's all it is. Sadistic? I mean, what's a good definition for sadistic? You enjoy pain. You enjoy pain. You enjoy – that's masochism. You enjoy conflict. You enjoy trouble. You enjoy causing problems for people. Sometimes, yes. Okay, you're sadistic. Evil. There you go. You're a sinner. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. Open your Bible. Hey, Kenby. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy. Second Timothy. Second Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. I'm losing it tonight. And as we go through this, there's some questions I'm going to pose to you. And these are questions that when you face conflict. When you face a situation where you know something needs to be said or something needs to be done because you see someone chasing a lifestyle of sin that's going to hurt them, that's going to hurt other people, these are questions that I would pose you need to ask yourself to decide if this is your conflict to deal with or not. And the first one is this. Is this my problem to deal with? Let's look at what happens here in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. It says, And the Lord sent Nathan to David. Now, if Nathan asked himself this question, is this my problem to deal with? What do you think the answer is? I heard no. Who said no? Why? What's that? Okay, we got no because it has nothing to do with him. That one? Okay. Anybody agree with that? Who says yes? This is Nathan's problem to deal with. Why? Okay. Anybody got a different reason? Because it's in the Bible and it probably leads <laughs> to a story about a lesson. You're right. It does teach us something from Scripture. It's in the Bible. It leads to a story about a lesson. Absolutely. I would say yes. This is Nathan's problem to deal with. If for no other reason, because it says the Lord sent Nathan to David. God came to Nathan and said, Nathan... You go deal with this situation. This is your problem. I, God made it his problem. He laid it at his feet. It was, it was an easy question for Nathan to answer because God sent in there. Now, understand this. One of the reasons this was probably not necessarily too difficult for Nathan to go do is because Nathan and David, this is not the first time they've met. We see Nathan previously in this book of 2 Samuel. We see Nathan again in the book of 2 Samuel. There's been interaction between these two guys. If you've got this king who follows God, who is the leader of Israel, and you've got this man who is the prophet of God, pretty good chance they've met up before. So they know each other. And God comes to Nathan and God says, Nathan, I want you to go and I want you to talk to David. Now that being the case that they might have known each other, you got to think Nathan's probably still a little nervous. I mean, this is the king of Israel. This is the guy that could have Nathan killed if he wanted to, and nobody would think anything about it because that's what the king said. So Nathan's probably a little bit nervous, but at the same time, it's his problem to deal with because God has sent him to go deal with it. Now see, there's times, there's times when we're going to face situations where we know something needs to be said or something needs to be addressed about the way somebody is doing someone or doing something. But the problem is, we're scared to get involved. We're scared because we don't want to be the one who gets people in trouble. We're scared because we don't want to be the one that gets ridiculed or made fun of. You turn in that friend for cheating on a test, pretty good chance people are going to find out, and now you're going to have some problems in your life. And we don't want that. But you see, the question that you have to ask yourself at the very beginning is, is this my problem to deal with? If you have a relationship with the person, if you're the only one that has the ability, the only one that knows what's going on and can speak up and say something, then it's probably your problem to bring to somebody's attention. If you don't know that person or there's other people around you or somebody else can speak and say it better than you can, then maybe you're not the person to confront them, but maybe you are the person to bring the right one into the situation. So you've got to ask yourself, do I have that relationship? Is this my problem? Am I the only one that can address this? Or am I the best person to address this? That's the first thing to ask yourself when you face this kind of conflict. Because you will, at some point, face this kind of conflict. So God sends Nathan to confront David. And what what I love here is that Nathan, Nathan gets creative. Nathan just doesn't come in and say, David, you're a sinner. God knows what you did. You're going to hell if you don't repent. Nathan doesn't say that. Nathan gets creative and Nathan tells him a story. Let's read that story. Starting in verse well, second half of verse 1. It says he came to him and said to him, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb which he had bought. And he brought it up and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat, it used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms and it was like a daughter to him. That's kind of strange. Now there came a traveler to the rich man and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. You see, Nathan doesn't just say, David, you've messed up here. Nathan gets creative and he takes this story and he weaves this tale for David so basically that he can get David's response. He wants to see what David's going to say, what David's going to do. You see, sometimes when, when you confront somebody, when you go to address an issue that you see in somebody's life, sometimes you have to get a little creative about how you do it. Now, maybe you don't sit down and write out a whole story and go recite it to somebody. But you might have to get creative in the way that you confront people. You might have to talk to them for a little while. You might have to go hang out with them, spend some time with them before you just talk to them about what's going on and what they need to deal with. I don't know. I don't know what that would look like for you. It depends on how creative you are, I guess. But that's what Nathan does. Because when he does that, he's able to answer this next question. It's question number two. Go ahead and throw that out there, Mr. Billy. What's the best way to deal with this problem? You see, what De- what Nathan did is Nathan made this story because that was the best way to deal with this problem. Because the issue that David had going on was a very personal issue. And David was so entrenched in this issue that it took a story about somebody else for David to be able to step back and see what was going on in his own life. You see, because those of you who don't know the story, basically what has happened here is David has seen a woman, David has taken this other man's wife, He slept with her, she's now pregnant, and because he wants to marry this woman and he can't fix that problem, he has her husband murdered. That's what's going on before this confrontation that Nathan and David are having here. So what Nathan does is Nathan gets creative. And Nathan helps David step back out of his situation and look at it from a different perspective. See, because he's not emotionally involved in this story, in this tale. It's just a tale. And he can look at it and tell what's right and wrong there. And once he's able to do that, now he can look back at his own story and see what's right and wrong there. That's what happens next in Scripture, starting in verse 5. It says, Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. You see, a lot of times it's very easy for us as individuals to look at someone else's situation and someone else's life and see what the problems are. But we have all kinds of blinders on when it comes to our own life. And we don't see where our weak spots are and we don't see the the, the points where we fail and the points where we're tempted. It takes somebody else from the outside to help us see those things. And that's exactly what's going on here. And it took this story, this parable, if you call it, for David to be able to step outside of his own story and see what was going on. And all of a sudden, as soon as he saw that, Nathan's going to bring it back to him. He does that in verse 7. It says, Nathan said to David, you were the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and then taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. You see, David, David is all of a sudden confronted with his own sin. He understood what should have happened in this parable, this story, this other situation. And Nathan says, David, it's about you. You're the guy doing this. You're right. This man deserves death. This man has wronged. The other person, he says, David, he's done it, but it's you. You're the one that's messed up in your life. You're the one that's taken this man's wife. You're the one that's killed this man. But you see, through that passage that we just read, we see the next question. Am I confronting the real issue? You see, because what he does here is right here in verse 9, he says, Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? That's the heart of the issue. That's the real thing that's going on right there. You see, what has happened is David, this man after God's own heart, has taken his eyes off of God and his word. And when we do that, that's when we start to have problems. Because, guys, as we've talked about before, you can live for one thing. If you're honest with yourself, you can live for one thing it's either God or it's you. And when we're not focused on God, we're living for us. I'm living for me and my pride and what I want and what makes me feel good and my ego. And I'm not chasing after God at that point. And that's why Nathan brings this back here. Because that's the issue. That's where sin lives. It lives in our head and it lives in our heart. And when we're chasing the desires of the flesh, this instant gratification that we see all around us every single day, we are no longer focused on God. And there's a lot of things to focus on. Money, stuff, guys, girls, relationships, food, all kinds of stuff to focus on that we can become obsessed with. And you see people every single day that live for all of these things. But we can't live for those things and live for God. Think about that for a second. Is there something in your life that you're living for? And if so, is it God? Or is it something else? And I'll be honest with you, every single one of us struggles with that. There's days I get up and I want today to be about me. I don't want today to be about God because that's hard and that takes work and that's a struggle. But that's so much better than the day being about me. That's so much more important than what Jesse wants for the day or what Drew wants or what Samuel wants. Or anybody else in this room. Or anybody else in this world. That's what Nathan is helping David see right here. Is that he has taken his eyes and his head and his heart off of God. And because of that, he's done some things that have hurt people. And that's what happens. When we start living lives going after sin and going after all this stuff besides God, we start making choices that, number one, will hurt us and eventually will hurt other people. But, Nathan brings it back home here. After he goes through all of this and he says all of this stuff to, Nathan, or to David, he says in verse 10, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house. Because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. And I will take your wives before you and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. You see how David's sin, his personal private choices all of a sudden started affecting other people. It affected his family. It says the sword will never leave his house. It says that his wives are going to be taken from him and given to other people. That day, it says, under this son. But then you see David's reaction. David says in the next verse, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. See, we've, we've gone through several questions here. The first one is, this my problem to deal with? Am I addressing the real issue? Am I dealing with the real issue? What's the third one? Anybody? What's that? What's the second one then? I skipped it. What's the best way to deal with this problem? Am I confronting the real issue? And the last one is, how do I show God's grace? That's what just happened here. Because when David was confronted with his sin, his reaction was to repent of his sin. And because of that, we see God's grace. Nathan says, David, because you have repented, you will not die. Now, there were still other consequences, weren't there? Yeah. His baby still died. He still had to mourn that. But because of what David did here, because of the repentance, we see the grace of God. Because God is consistent, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, because he is consistent, sin requires consequences. It requires a penalty, and David experienced that penalty, and so did his family. But sin also shows us the grace and mercy of God. And as we start getting into situations where, where we are compelled to, To confront someone where we are compelled to say something that's going to put us in conflict with someone else and the lifestyle they're living. We have to remember that we also have the privilege and the responsibility to show grace in that situation. Nathan could have looked at David and said, nope, sorry, it's too late. This is what God said. But that's not what he does. He said, you're not going to die because you have repented because you are sorry for what you've done god has grace on you god has mercy on you and you will not die david had the opportunity or nathan had the opportunity to share that with david and the truth is every single one of us has had that same experience every single one of us at some point in time was living for us if we call ourselves a christian tonight If we say we have a relationship with God, at some point in time, you and I, we were living for us alone and not for God. And it wasn't until somebody came along and pointed out our sin. It wasn't until the right person confronted us and risked that conflict in our life. It wasn't until somebody told us about Jesus Christ and showed us the grace and mercy of who he is and what he did on the cross that we're able to know God. So my challenge to you tonight, my question for you tonight, is there somebody in your life, is there somebody right now, friend, family member, maybe somebody that's just an acquaintance that you know you need to talk to about something, that you know something's going on in their life and you need to confront them, you need to risk that conflict? Just think about it for a second. Just think about the people that you deal with every single day. Pretty good chance there's somebody for almost everybody in this room. My challenge for you tonight is to pray about that first question. Am I the right person to address this issue? And if you are, start working through the rest of them. I want to give you that chance to do that right now. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Picture that person in your head, if you've got one. And here's what I want to ask you to do. Pray for them. Pray for whatever it is that you know they're struggling with. Whatever it is they're dealing with. Whatever it is you feel like God's telling you, you need to say something about that. Just take a minute and pray for him. And ask God, am I the one? Am I the person that's supposed to go to him in love with your mercy and your grace and talk to him? And if you've got somebody in mind, and you would like myself or Miss Kathleen or Mr. Billy to pray with you, we can do that as soon as we stand up and start singing. Just step to the back of the room and come see one of us, and we'll pray with you for that situation. Or if you just want us to pray for you, and you don't want to come back of the room, write it down on one of those green cards that was in your chair when you came in, and drop it in this basket up here at the front of the room, and we'll pray for you. But before you do anything, pray for them. Pray for God's wisdom. Pray for God's strength. Pray that you will have the opportunity to share Christ with them the way somebody shared Christ with you. God, we do want to thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. God, your justice, your righteousness, your holiness. And God, I pray for every single one of us, Lord, that you will help us to step up when you reveal something to us that needs to be confronted. But God, I pray that you will help us to do it with wisdom. God, I pray that you will help us to do it with love. And God, I pray for each person in here. Lord, if there are those who who know there's a situation right now, God, I pray, God, that you will just lead them in the right direction. God, I pray that if there's something in my life and one of the lives in here that needs to be pointed out to us, God, that you will bring the right person to do that and help us to get our focus on you and off of us. God, we love you, and we're going to sing. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing, guys.